whether it's taking care of family. Ugh, Mikey, stop harassing your sister. Climbing the corporate ladder. Yes, yes, yes. We need to create a new spreadsheet for the project. I know, I know. Or even taking care of loved ones. I'm here for you, Mom. You have to put you first. It's the Know You First podcast with host Amanda Smith. Hey, you all. Welcome to episode 13 of the Know You First podcast. If you're just jumping onto the Know You First train, I want to welcome you. You know, lucky number 13. I don't care when you decided to jump on this journey. Um, You're here. Um, And of course, those have been rocking with me since episode one. Both that, since the intro, (laughs) I see you out there and I appreciate you. Our focus on this episode is getting out of your own way. And I pose this question. What if you were the problem? Yeah, you. No need to turn around or look the other way. (laughs) I'm talking about you. What if you were the reason you didn't get the promotion you thought you worked so hard for? What if you were the reason that you just weren't feeling right because your body has been overstressed and you're not listening to it? What if it was you? No need to point the fingers anymore. Guys, I know this is a very challenging process to look at ourselves in the mirror. And you may recall on episode six, we talked about peeling back those layers of our work and familial titles to get to the root of the problem, our core existence, to see how we're showing up. Well, I've got some gems spilling all over this week's show that will give you guidance and insight to check in yourself. And with everything going on, the myriad of factors that are already in the works, working against you and trying to keep you from thriving, um, you don't want to be the one sabotaging your greatness. There's plenty out there already working against you. So let's get right into it. The Spotlight. My spotlight this week is none other than the incredible Jennifer Rudolph Walsh, who is head of worldwide literary speakers and conference services at Endeavor, formerly known as WME slash IMG, an entertainment and sports branding agency who has represented the likes of bestsellers such as Ariana Huffington, Elon Musk, Chris Matthews, Oprah Winfrey, Her portfolio is insane. I had the pleasure of seeing Jennifer in action along with some of her amazing friends at Together Live, which was a series of live panel events that traveled across the U.S. featuring just a slew of badass women uh, who celebrated themselves and to speak about challenges they were facing Uh, She calls that the traveling love rally, which I simply love uh, in itself. And I caught it in 2017 in D.C., which was everything and more. Um, Jennifer recently launched a book called Hungry Hearts, Essays on Courage, Desire and Belonging, which I admittedly have not read, but just ordered it. And if it's anything like her past works, I know it will be incredible. So I'm looking forward to diving right into it. So shout out to Jennifer Rudolph Walsh. 
and thank you for all the amazing work that you're doing. Exclusive guest interviews. My special guest this week is someone who I am very excited to share. She really has no idea how much of an impact she has had on me in my life, especially during my teenage years. Yes, many, many, many moons ago, um, uh, when there was no social media, we actually touched real books and magazines, which was our primary resource for getting trending information in fashion and lifestyle and entertainment. When there was no real outlets for women within the BIPOC community, before BIPOC was really even a word that came to be, there were publications like Honey Magazine and Jet and Ebony that represented my world and others like me. Amy Du Bois Barnett was a pioneer in her own right. As a talented magazine editor representing way too many prominent brands for me to even name, but, you know, the Grio, Teen People, Harper's Bazaar, you know, throughout her colorful career in media, Amy is now the Senior Vice President and General Manager of BT Digital, and I had the privilege and awesome, awesome opportunity to sit down with her and speak about these self-defeating behaviors that we all fall victim to And I learned also how she's balancing her own demanding career with being a mom and her family and, you know, juggling her own personal care. Uh, It was simply the bomb.com. So take a listen. Thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure. Awesome. Look, I know you are a busy woman. And so I really appreciate you lending some of your time with us, Amy. I know that one of the things that we like to do here in the Know You First podcast is kind of talk about what it is that other people are doing to kind of manage their self-care, their family, their work. You know, we talk about these work-life balances like they're separate, but we know that is, you know, it's a whole thing, right? And one of the things that you oftentimes talk about, you know, is this, you know, getting out of your own way. So I want to unpack that a little bit and, you know, what better person to do that than someone who is actually living and breathing, you know, these behaviors. So again, we appreciate you joining us. Well, I'm super happy to have this conversation. You're asking me these things on a crazy day because I've had such a jam-packed work week and, and personal life week and everything else. So let's get into it. All right. You know, as an accomplished media executive, editor, author, I mean, is there another title that I missed there? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you, you're doing a lot and you're doing a, a darn good job with it. Even though if, if no one's telling you that, you know, the output and all the things that, you know, we might not see behind the curtains, you know, the output is fascinating. But I want to ask you, first and foremost, what is the motivation behind the work that you do? Because, you know, you've been at this for so long. And so what kind of keeps you going and it doesn't make the work that you do stale? You know, I've been really fortunate um, throughout my career. Um, You know, even though I've been in media now for, um, you know, for, I don't think it's been 20 years. even though I've been in media for 20 years, I've been able to um, have a pretty diverse career within media. So I've been able to, you know, for example, speak to a lot of different audiences. You know, I've spoken to women and to men and to, you know, teens and to mainstream audiences and to black and urban audiences, you know, and I've also been able to, you know, create content across a lot of formats. You know, I've gone from print to digital, to video, to text, to, you know, photo shoots and everything else. And I really feel like 
this ability to speak to that many people across that many formats and that many platforms, you know, a magazine, YouTube, websites, Instagram, TikTok, you know, has, has really kept everything very fresh for me in so many ways because I'm continually learning. But the real through line for me um, throughout my career, and actually the real reason that um, I've been able to keep going in this kind of way is that through line of, of being able to give voice to underrepresented communities. So no matter you know what kind of media brand I'm working for, whether it's a brand that um, you know, like BET that really focuses on the black community and focuses on a group of folks that are, you know, have historically been underrepresented in media, especially the diversity of who we are, um, or whether it's, you know, working for a, um, a magazine like Harper's Bazaar and being able to be a voice for those underrepresented communities within that environment and making sure that we have um, visibility and that we are, we are represented in those pages on, on that website in a positive capacity. That has really been a motivation for me. And I mean, when I say underrepresented communities, I don't just mean Black folks, although, you know, Black folks, specifically Black women, are my heart. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I really do mean, I mean, all underrepresented communities. I really, um, you know, I mean, the LGBTQIA community. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, differently able communities. Um, I mean, you know, different um, you know, religious um, denominations. You know, I, I really like to make sure that the content that I'm putting out, the way that I'm representing, um, you know, the folks that I'm that I'm either directly speaking to or who might, you know, come into my audience, is fair and is equitable and is inclusive. You know, so that has been something that I'm really proud of and that I hope will be a big part of my legacy. Well, one thing I can say, I can only speak from my personal experience when <laughs> I'm going to kind of go back down memories lane a little bit and talk about, you know, your editor in chief role when you were at Honey. Um, what you just said did exactly that for me, because I know when that publication came out, my girlfriends and I, I remember at the time, were just like, wow, there's finally something for us. Everything that you just said, it definitely made an impact on my life for sure. And I, I can only imagine some other things that, you know, you're doing and how that impact has made a trickle effect on others. So thank you for, you know, what you're doing there. I think that's going to absolutely be your legacy. Oftentimes, and I've, I've heard other presentations that you've made about how we oftentimes get in our own way. You know, we, you know, there's this new buzzword around that, you know, imposter syndrome um, that I know a lot of people are, are talking about these days. But from your own experience, you know, what do you think people are tripping up over the most as it comes to, you know, goal seeking and, and getting out of their own way? You know, I, I think that, let me, let me take it to my son. I've got a son who is going to be 15 um, in a few weeks. I have a 15 year old daughter. Really? They are a different breed. Aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> we should introduce them in 15 more years. <laughs> but you know, what I tell him um, and others that I mentor all the time is that money is a terrible, terrible goal. It is a terrible goal. Um, Not because we don't like money, um, but because if you just go for money for money's sake, you are A, likely not going to get the money and B, you're not going to achieve your full potential because you're not thinking about the things that can elevate you to, you know, becoming the best person that you can be, right? So, 
uh, what I see is that, you know, folks are so focused on monetary rewards of success that they're not thinking about how to position themselves personally, professionally, spiritually, in a way that the place to start for that is to really think about what you, I mean, you know, and this is the best of, of all scenarios, of course, I want to be a realist too. I mean, not everybody can can do all of these things, which I totally understand. And we all have different, um, you know, needs, et cetera. But if we're talking about goal setting, if we're talking about trying to, um, you know, trying to go for that North Star, you know, that personal North Star, yep. then I think that the thing that you have to do is really think about what is it that you love to do? What do you love to do, mm-hmm. right? You know, what is your passion? Think about what does the society need, right? How does your passion and what society needs, like is a sort of you know, space in the Venn diagram between those two things, right? Um, that where, you know, where your, your, your passions match like something that's missing, you know, out there or something that is in demand and then get really good at it. I mean, there's no substitute for working hard. There just yeah. is not. You cannot substitute anything for putting in your time, putting in your 10,000 hours, as Malcolm Gladwell will say, there is no substitute for working hard, which is another thing that I see too, is that people will kind of come in, work for six months and be like, I want a promotion. And I'm like, what? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no. Uh, there's no substitute for working hard. So it's, it's what do you love? You know, what is in demand? work really, really hard to get really good at that thing. Yeah. And then that's when the money will come that that's when it will flow. But if all you're thinking about is, okay, I'm going to get this money. Then, you know, first of all, you are, you know, you're not going to become the person that you are meant to be because you are not engaging with the parts of yourself that are going to allow you to expand into that person and allow you to grow into being that full, um, that full kind of entity. And then, which is also, which also means that you're not going to allow yourself to receive all of the rewards that you could potentially get if you were that entity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you were talking, I'm reminded of, oh goodness, it was actually a post that I saw circulating around social media and it was with Tavis Smiley and he was interviewing Will Smith. And what you just shared with me reminded me of this video. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Tavis was talking to Will about, you know, his work ethic. And, you know, you were talking about working hard and putting in the hours. And I remember Will Smith saying, um, you know, I may not be the sexiest person out there. I might not be the smartest person out there. But what I do know is that if I got in the treadmill with you, <laughs> I'm either going to, uh, you're either going to get off or I'm going to die trying to beat you on this treadmill. <laughs> so <laughs> it is, it's so funny because you're right. We're not always going to be the the best out there. You know, it's a very competitive market and I think comp- competition is good, but you're not always going to be the best, the brightest, the smartest, the, the best looking and, you know, the most talented. You're not. But I think to your point, what you said about, you know, your work ethic and putting in hours and working hard, that is something that will vary person to person. And so I just really immediately thought about that interview um, that I just saw recently. It was an interview done back like in the 80s or something, but just recently it started circulating and I saw it a few months ago um, on this interview about, you know, just working hard and, and, you know, it doesn't, it's not in vain, you know, you definitely will see the rewards. The work work ethic, there's, there's just no, there's no, it's true. There's no, there's no substitute for it. And I think what happens sometimes for me and for, for others, right, is that, you know, folks may 
look at some of the aspects of my career and think, oh my God, it's so glamorous. You know, mm-hmm. people used to tell um, when I was in high, speaking of honey, people used to come up to my assistant and say, oh my God, you know, Amy is glamorous. And, you know, and she would really look at them and she'd be like, yeah, we're, we're totally glamorous, like seven days a week, 24 <laughs> seven, 365, because she saw, you know, the nights that, you know, I'd be in the office till, you know, 4 a.m. and I would eat dinner out of like a vending machine and, you know, and I would just sit and there. And be like that sometimes. <laughs> be like that sometimes. And be like that sometimes. Though. Sometimes you've got to just sit there and get it done and grind it out. And if it, there's no substitute. There is nothing that will substitute for that hard work that you put in to take something from good to great. I agree. We'll have more with our guest on the Know You First podcast with host Amanda Smith. And we are back on the Know You First podcast with host Amanda Smith. You're right. When they do look at you, Amy, and and maybe others, you know, as the, you know, former editor-in-chief of Ebony and the former editor-in-chief of Honey and Teen People magazine and, you know, deputy editor of Harper's Bazaar, all of that looks very glamorous. But we know, and you know, obviously, the hard work that it took for you to get there. And one of the things we like to do on the show is talk about that selfish moment story, because we've all had times where, you know, we had to overcome something and, you know, had to have that one-on-one, you know, with ourselves to kind of go to that next level. I would love if you can share a selfish moment story that you may have had, whether earlier on in your career or maybe just yesterday. I mean, seriously, (laughs) that's, you know, this is how it is, a continuous process. Uh, But if you can leave us with your selfish moment story, how you had to kind of say, Amy, enough is enough. Uh, You know what? And I I love that you're asking me this because, you know, it gives me an opportunity to get real. You know, I think that one of the reasons why Honey turned out to be um, so successful. Um, and then this is something that, I've, you know, again, also tried to continue throughout my career is that I really tried to humanize success, you know, because I just, I hate the notion that somebody is just, you know, I don't know, on some kind of trajectory that's like only going in one direction yeah. and you just like climbing a ladder that only goes up and, you know, and yes. you're just, you're just going to keep on going up and getting more and more and more successful. Like that is just literally not how life works at yeah. all. I mean, um, somebody else said this and I wish I could attribute the quote properly, but, um, you know, the, the success, you know, ladder, the path to success is not a ladder. It is a jungle gym, right? You, you, Ooh, I love that. you go down, you go sideways, you may fall off that bad boy and you got to get back on and you got to you know, climb around to the other side of the thing, you know? And, um, and so we've all had moments, you know, that have been not so rosy, you know, and for me, you know, I really had, I want to say that that moment after, you know, my first kind of major career setback, you know, it was, and it was such a big deal. Actually, it was right after Harper's Bazaar. I was coming out of Harper's Bazaar and um, I'm not going to go into the, the details of sure. the, who this was or how this happened, but I was supposed to take this, this very big job um, running a online vertical, um, you know, site really for, uh, for black women. I had been negotiating with the, with the company for literally two months. I had a contract, I signed the contract. And then on the day that, um, this other company was supposed to execute the contract, I got a call from the CEO who said, you know what? And this was at the mouth of the, the recession, you know, that big recession that we had in like mm-hmm. 08, 09. Yeah. And so right at the top of it, he called me up and he was like, you know what? I can't do this. He's like, you are too expensive. I cannot sign this contract. 
And oh, dang. Um, and yep, <laughs> you know, my son was two years old. I had already, you know, this is a lesson for myself. I'd already resigned from Harper's Bazaar. I put an offer in on a house. Um, oh and gosh. I was literally driving back, you know, from, um, you know, uh, um, you know, putting in this offer of this house when, um, I got this call in the car oh. and, um, and I, I just didn't see it coming. You know, I was maybe a little bit naive, but I didn't see it coming at all. I was completely shocked. I'd never had a setback like that. Um, I'd never been out of work in that particular type of way. I was unable to find another job for like over a year. Because wow. it was at the mouth of the recession and nobody, yeah. and that was immediate, completely shut down, just completely and totally shut down. Yeah. So I did end up moving um, into a house because it was less expensive than the, the Manhattan apartment that I was living in. You know, and I was just running through savings, like running through savings, trying to figure out what to do, looking for jobs, feeling like, oh my God, you know, my skill set is somehow stale. I'm never going to Yeah, we start again. picking ourselves apart, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. But that, it that must was be exactly. me. It must be me. You know? Yeah. You know what? And that's true. I used to call it this like, a, this like Chiron. It was like a, a negative Chiron that would like run along the kind of bottom of my brain. And I'd be like, oh my God, you know, my, it's me, it's this, it's that, and blah, 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 blah. And I really lost faith and I stopped believing in myself. Mm. And that became like a negative kind of spiral, you know, where I stopped believing in myself. And, and so the energy, and so I, I was putting out just negative energy, right? Because, because what you put out in the world is what you get back. I really, really, yes. really, really, really believe that it has, it has been borne out for me so many times. Yeah. And if, and what you think is what you're putting out. And what you think is what you're, exactly it's a, it really is. I mean, it just sounds so like squishy, you know, mushy. Like I yeah. swear to you, I'm not like. And it's so simple though. It really is so simple. It's but that's hard to do, as you know. It is so hard to do. It is really hard to do. It, but it is it is a, it is real. You know, it is like when people talk about manifesting or speaking things into being. You know, it sounds so like you know, get crystal gazing, you know, <laughs> like sage burning, you know, for people who are like, not necessarily who haven't had that experience, but I'm telling you and, and everybody listening that if you have negative energy, you know, certainly about yourself, but really about almost anything you're putting it out into the world, then, then that is what's going to be reflected back to you. I just, I had lost faith and, and nothing was working and I had to stop. I had to stop. And I had to remember that I alone, then nobody else could crawl into my skin and live my life for me. Like this is, this yeah. is a big hallmark of how I think about the world, how I walk through the world. This was a big revelation for me um, in my twenties, um, which is that no one, no matter how much people love you, no matter how much your, your partner, family, your friends, no matter how much everybody loves you, they cannot crawl inside your skin and live your life for you. It is up to mm -hmm. you and you alone to make yourself happy. Frankly, you are responsible for your life. You are responsible for your happiness. Nobody else is responsible. They can contribute to it. They can, they can come in and have a good time with you, you know? Um, but really it's up to you. And I had to have that talk with myself. Say, Oh my God, what are you doing? You are, you are not living the principles that you have put forth that you know, to be true. That's right. And the minute I turned it around, the minute I really like, was like, okay, stop, you know, like, stop, like you just, just, you know, to de you know, declutter this house, declutter your mind, start working out again, you know, start like, you know, getting fresh air, call your friends, you know, yeah. all that stuff. That's when I got the call about Ebony. That, oh. that is I got, I got, a, I got a call about Ebony. I got just a, a cold call um, from somebody who, who was interested in me and uh, speaking with me about that opportunity. That's so awesome. 
Yeah, that is awesome. You know, the very first episode I started with mind shift because in, in all that what you just said, you know, it took a mind shift moment for you to be able to say, okay, enough is enough. Like you just said, you are the puppeteer of your life. And I always talk about, you know, having a good tribe and have a good network that has your back, keeps it 100 when you're sounding crazy because you know how we're not perfect. And so you kind of need those people in your life to kind of, you know, remind you of that. Um, but you're right. Ultimately, for any of the the, the shifting to happen um, or the pivots, it's really going to take a change of the way you think. And I love that you said that and kind of reinforced, you know, what I was saying in, the, in that first episode when I launched this podcast about mind shift, how important it is and how it really is, like you said, the North Star to how you kind of navigate, you know, through life, through your career and everything else. Yes, ma'am. That was awesome. That was awesome. So <laughs> we know you're a mom <laughs> and I know you have a life outside of your career, um, but I want to know from you, Amy, how are you balancing it all? Your family, your career, your own self-care, you know, this is, this is hard stuff, you know, and I'd like to kind of take a peek into how you're kind of managing all of those elements that needs all of Amy. <laughs> I mean, this is a crazy time right now. Well, okay, know. You know, in, just in general, in general, it's super hard to find the balance. And I've been asked this a bunch of times and I always have a similar like trouble answering the question because it's a next to impossible question because I don't know if I'm really, really real. You know, I don't know that it is a balance. To me, I think it is... I think it's really just, first of all, just try, try, first of all, you know what it is? First of all, it's giving yourself some grace, right? Like yeah. thing number one, before we talk about, yeah, I work out at, you know, five in the morning and I do my facial masks at 3 a.m. or whatever the heck people might do. First of all, you got to give yourself some grace, yeah. you know, and really allow yourself, you know, the the, the patience and the, you know, and the, the notion that you're really doing the best you can. Yep. You know, you were doing the best you can at, at, you know, at every moment, you know? And so if you just start by giving yourself that grace, I mean, to me, that's like kind of core to having balance. I like that giving yourself some grace because, and I also like the fact that you said, you don't freaking know, you know, we don't have all the answers all the time. And I think we're all a work in progress, right? We're learning something yeah. new about how we feel every day, you know? We're a work in progress, you know, but I think that, that I, I guess the other thing I would say is that trying to be as present as possible, you know, if, with whatever you're doing at that moment. Um, yes. And for me, it's understanding also that, you know, people always say, my gosh, you're doing so much, whatever. But for me, somehow when I'm firing on all cylinders, you know, when all aspects of my life are, are sort of full, for whatever reason, that makes me better in general, mm -hmm. you know? So it actually makes me better somehow, you know, that I have a son mm -hmm. and I'm taking care of him and I also have a job and I also have a man and, mm -hmm. you know, it just all kind of works together to maybe just makes me feel more like myself. Yeah which makes me better positioned to excel at the tasks um, um, that are in front of me, which is not to say, man, that I do not feel on a regular basis, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, I'm not present, you know, I'm not spending enough time with my son, you know, or, yeah. you know, or my job. I mean, I, you know, I, I well, my job is different because I end up just working extra hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear you though. But, I it's, know. but it's, it's really that just trying to be as present as possible um, in the moment, 
um, giving yourself, you know, grace and being patient with yourself. And also, you know, um, or really embracing the possibility that all of the things that are happening in your life are actually all working together to make you a better and more complex and more layered and more interesting and more evolved person, which will ultimately make you better at everything that you do. Absolutely. Oh, well said. Well said. Well, as we sign off, so I'm a big quote person. Like, I would love if you have a quote or some words of inspiration, even a mantra or so that you do, Amy, to kind of keep you going and level-headed. I I love to hear uh, what you have to share on that front. I actually have two that are coming to mind, right? One of them is something that I think about when I think about um, the energy that I'm putting out um, into the world and the way that I'm being received. Um, and one of the things that I always say is no one will give you opportunities that you don't think you deserve. Mm. If you don't think that you deserve that new job, that, you know, new man or partner, you know, the doors that you want to open, nobody's going to open them for you. If you Mm. don't believe that you deserve it and that you can do it. So a lot of what you have to do in this life is, is sort of talk to yourself and, 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 you know, talk to, you know, you know, really help, help your brain understand that you are deserving of every door that is, you know, in this world, bottom line, there is nothing that is, that is um, out of your league that doesn't exist. Um, You know, just, just really sort of be very mindful um, of the way that you treat yourself and the energy that you're putting out in terms of what you believe that you deserve in this life, because that's, what's going to come back to you. Those are the doors that are going to open. And then the, um, the second thing, um, and I try to remember every day, it's, it's hard every day, but this is, this is, I really do believe this, um, fundamentally into my soul. I believe, um, that this moment, that this day will never happen again, so what are you going to do to make it count? You know, I believe in making every day count, you know, um, and just intrinsic in that is, is just, you know, the idea that um, happiness is, is for me, I don't believe happiness is a goal. I just, I think happiness is, is, is almost like money. It's a, it's a bad goal. It's, it's, it's a terrible goal because yes. that's going to get you in the mindset of like, well, when I get that job, I'm going to be happy. When I get that new house, I'm going to be happy. When I have that baby, I'm going to be happy. Like blah, blah, blah. Like yes. that is not how happiness works. Yep. It isn't, you know, happiness is something that you look for, that you experience in little bits in moments every day, even in your worst, your worst times, you know, your, your most you know, going through something awful, you might have a moment of happiness during that day. Yes. And that's really, for me, what happiness is, you know, so it's this notion that you're not, you know, kind of waiting for something to happen in your life, you know, to be happy and that you can find something every single day to make every single day of your life count. Love that. Oh, so much. Huh. And I think that is trying to take us to church aren't you Amy I'm trying to give you all the energy ma'am all the energy I am receiving all of it I love both of those quotes and I think this is an amazing way to end this segment Amy thank you again I hope sometime down the line you can come back and visit us again on the show Um, but we do appreciate you uh, giving us a little bit of you today on this podcast this has been such a pleasure. Um, you know, it's the morning for me, uh, you know, as, as we are recording and this has been a fabulous way to start my day. I really appreciate you and I would love to come back. Awesome. The word. The word. 
we're going to keep things going with all things amazing on this show. And I'm going to share a really great quote by Doug Conant, who is the former CEO of Campbell Soup Company, who recently wrote a book called The Blueprint, a book for business developers and how to be more agile and withstand change. So certainly very timely in what we're going through right now. Uh, But his quote is, your life story is your leadership story. This quote spoke volumes to me because to lead based on what you've learned from your life, first and foremost, you must be authentic. You alone is what will inspire others. This imposter syndrome that everyone's struggling with, stay true to yourself and you don't have to worry about that. It is going to be your story, your journey, you alone. And if others don't get it, then that's fine, too. You know, the likability trap. We talked about that in previous episodes as well. It's okay not to be liked. In fact, you're not going to be liked 100% all the time. So with that said, the world needs what you have. Until we meet again next week, it's Amanda Smith, y'all, on the Know You First podcast. Executive producer and host, Amanda Smith. Sound engineer is Rashad Smith. Music by Motion Array. Know You First podcast is published by Wave Sync Media.